Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. You know, Lab, since the Steelers lost to the Cardinals a few weeks back, I had predicting each game since to be the get-off-the-mat game for the Steelers. Because that's what they do under Mike Tomlin. I've seen that my whole life. They lose a stinker, they get right back off the mat when no one expects them to. It hadn't happened for two straight games. I had finally given up on that notion. And then, of course, they get up off the mat against Cincinnati in emphatic fashion. I mean, I didn't see 30 points coming. I don't think you saw 30 points coming, a double-digit victory coming, a total blindside for, I'm sure, everybody in Steelers Nation. Yeah, uh, pleasant, you know. For a sure, no blindside. doubt. Um, but, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I, you know me, I, I, uh, I'm always nervous at games, before games. Uh, and this was one where, you know, there was the Mason Rudolph situation, him starting for the first time since 2021. Okay. Uh, but the, the, the situation with the defense was the thing to me. I mean, you, yes. you're not, you don't have any safeties, you know, your, your top four safeties, uh, Minka, DeMonte Casey, Keanu Neal and Trenton Thompson. None of them are playing against the Bengals, Jake Browning, who threw for over 300 yards the previous week, T. Higgins, who was doing those amazing things in their in their previous game against the Vikings. Um, you know, just that, that, that just seemed to me to be uh, a ticking time bomb. But, you know, kudos to the defense. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson played pretty well. Um, uh, Eric Rowe played pretty well. Uh, you know, Miles Jack came off the couch after being retired. Right. Isn't that amazing? Uh, he laps. played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, kudos to the defense. I was really uh, surprised slash impressed. You know, with how they that that unit played. Um, you know, Joey Porter Jr. Mm. Uh, when he was actually manned up on T. Higgins, uh, all of the the number of plays that that happened. Uh, Higgins caught one pass for 15 yards. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yes, you know, Porter got another penalty for holding or illegal use of hands or whatever it was, and he is now, you know, leading the league in that category. But um, he's also playing some really tough receivers and um, doing a pretty good job of it. And he is a 23-year-old rookie, so let's not forget that. Um, so yeah, that he is really coming on nicely. So yeah, there were, there were a lot of good, happy things that happened on uh, Saturday. Yeah, it was Saturday yep. uh, against the Bengals. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like last year when uh, we played Christmas Eve and it was so cold. Oh yeah. I was hoping my car would start. <laughs> In a parking lot after the game, seriously. <laughs> at I mean, midnight, I, I, yeah. I was not. Yeah, right. At midnight. No, actually, yeah, that was right. That was midnight. Maybe a little later. Maybe yeah. later, yeah. Because it was a night game. Mm -hmm. Oh man, much much better 
holiday festivities at Akershire Stadium this year than last year for sure. And you're right about the defense. I mean, they were really impressive, if not overshadowed a bit by the guy under center, Mason Rudolph. Um, I think people kind of thought he could do decent labs. I didn't think that, you know, fans were clamoring for him, so they just wanted to believe that. But this was one of the better quarterback performances we've seen in the black and gold since the Hall of Famer was under yes. center a few years since. back. Since. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, you know, I, I can't give you a date for that either. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph combined the two things that this team really needs from a starting quarterback at this time, which is, you know, being aggressive but balancing that w- with protecting the football. Um, no, inter- He played turnover free. He had – uh, deep shots of uh, 86, 66, and 44 yards to George Pickens, who I guess isn't really the devil reincarnate after all. Um, and, uh, you know, you see not only what getting the ball to Pickens does f- f- to the other team, but how it energizes your own team. Uh, right. So... You know that that's certainly something to watch moving forward, uh, but yeah, I mean there was you know as I said, you know Mason Rudolph did exactly what the Steelers needed from their starting quarterback against the Bengals, and I don't know, Coach Offerman, who you starting in Seattle? That's going to be the debate all week, isn't it? If Kenny's healthy, you think? <laughs> <laughs> if Kenny's healthy, does he go back in there and and labs? I. I actually lean towards he does. I don't know if that's the decision I'd make, but I just kind of I'm putting myself in their shoes, and I think your franchise quarterback. You pick this kid in the first round um, when he's healthy. When the doctors say he's 100, percent he goes back in without any question. So I think that's the way it's going to go. If if Pickett clears this week, he'll be the starter in Seattle. Well, see, that's the interesting part, you know, because that tightrope surgery, which is what Pickett had on right. his high ankle sprain, um, you know, I did some. Uh, a little bit of reading about it. Oh, Dr. Labriola. Well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> I, I, I know how to use the Google machine. Um, but, you know, the, the prognosis for that, that kind of surgery is anywhere from three to six weeks. And, you know, that's a pretty broad range there. Uh, and every, you know, you have to understand that these prognosis situations, every individual is different. Um, you know, and I would imagine that every uh, position on a football team is different when it comes to this injury as well, because different guys use you know their ankles uh, in different ways for different things. Um, now Pickett got had the surgery on December fourth, so that kind of puts him, you know, December thirty first is right around the front end of that. Um, prognosis, you know, three to six weeks. And you got to understand that he's still a young quarterback. And so he's going to need to practice and be a full participant. I think, you know, the question is, will he be able to protect himself? Will he be able to move as necessary? Um, you know, and I don't know the answer to any of this stuff. Uh, but if you want to be cynical about it, even if he can, you know, because Mike Tomlin has said, you know, the medical professionals are going to drive this decision. Um, you know, it, I don't know how difficult it would be for a doctor to say, yeah, he needs another week. I mean, how, you know, there's no right. there's no way to uh, definitively prove that, that he doesn't. 
Um, so, uh, you know, I think that that's a factor, a variable uh, that, that is, is kind of sitting out there. Uh, we'll see how that, that all factors in. I, I, I'm going to be interested in um, how, it, how it works out. Me personally, uh, based on the way that um, Mason Rudolph responded to the opportunity and then the way that his teammates rallied around him on the field and then just uh, spoke glowingly of him after the game, you know, I think that that kind of that mojo or that good feeling or that wave of positivity or however you want to describe it, uh, I might be, I might be inclined to see if you know we can um, wring another week out of that, all of that feel good, because again, this is another must-win situation here against uh, Seattle. Yeah, no doubt Steelers trying to win out and stay in the playoff race and get back into the playoff picture and. They kind of got a little bit of help last night, Labs. You know, I know it was probably disgusting for a lot of people in Steelers Nations to do this. It made them puke in their mouth a little bit. But the Ravens winning was actually a good thing for the Steelers because now it sets up a win and lock up number one overall seed for them against Miami this coming week. So I'm sorry, Steelers Nation, but you got to pinch your nose and grit your teeth, but root for the Ravens one more week because that could mean seeing backups at M&T Bank Stadium come week 18. Yeah, um, you know, that's what I was doing uh, Monday night, uh, held my nose, and um, I won't say I was rooting for the Ravens, but <laughs> I was not word, yes. screaming, you know, every time they did something good either. Um, you know, there was kind of a silver lining in the way that you know, they came out in the third quarter and just slapped the 49ers around. Uh, and yes, you know, um, as you mentioned, the, the Ravens, when the, the week – this coming weekend, the Steelers play in Seattle. The Ravens host Miami. Now, the Ravens have a one-game lead over Miami right now. They win. You know, that would give them a two-game lead with a head-to-head tiebreaker. Uh, you know, and so that last game would be meaningless to them. Right. Now, back in 2003, Brian Billick, who was the Ravens coach at the time, stubborn, arrogant Brian Billick, <laughs> Um, he decided that he didn't care that his team had their uh, Ravens team had their playoff um, seating and opponent and everything clinched before that game. And he played his regulars into overtime against the Steelers to win, which they did, mm. and then prop- promptly got spanked by the Tennessee Titans the next week in the first round uh, of um their playoff games. So, you know, I don't think John Harbaugh uh, is that way. I know he would, you know, like beating the Steelers if you're the Ravens coach or the Ravens organization. I mean, that's that's always uh, a positive. But I cannot imagine Harbaugh playing Lamar Jackson no. um, against the Steelers in a game that means nothing to them. Um, but you know, hey, we'll see. Why would he play his two inside linebackers, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen? Why would he play um, Odell Beckham Jr.? Why would he? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of names I can just you know flow off my oh, yeah. my tongue here. Why would he be Marlon Humphrey, oh. Kyle Hamilton? I mean, Labs. They've been so injury plagued for the past two years. It's derailed both of those seasons. It would be foolish to tempt that. 
I think so. Um, and, you know, so who knows uh, what we're going to have to see. But again, as I said, um, watching what happened Monday night uh, did not, I was able to go to sleep after, you know, it didn't uh, totally <laughs> ruin my sleep. And uh, this coming weekend, uh, yeah, sorry to, uh, um, you know, you got to go to Baltimore. I hope you lose. I hope you lose too, Tua. Uh, let's get into the questions from uh, our listeners this week, and we start with Kevin McDevitt from Whitehall, Pennsylvania. Merry Christmas and happy 2024 to everyone at Steelers.com. It has been a year since we lost Franco Harris. Joe Green has, sta- Joe Green has stated, we never won anything before Franco. He was the heart and soul of the team. Can you please remind us, in terms of playoff victories and championships, how important Franco's arrival was to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Okay, um, you know, Franco Harris joined the Steelers as the 13th overall pick of the 1972 NFL Draft, and 1972 was the Steelers' 40th in the NFL because they were founded by Art Rooney Sr. in 1933. So um, in 39 years, let's just pretend we're talking about the start of the 72 season. In the 39 previous seasons, um, Steelers won nothing. Um not a division championship, not a playoff game. You know, in fact, the only postseason, well, the only playoff game in franchise history was a one-game playoff in 1947, um, and that was against Philadelphia because the Steelers and the Eagles finished tied atop the NFL's Eastern Conference after the regular season. And in that time in the NFL, there were no real playoffs. You know, the champion of the Eastern Conference and the champion of the Western Conference met in the NFL championship game. They get a, they gave out a trophy after that, and that was the end. But in 1947, as I said, the Eagles and the Steelers were tied, so they played another game. Um, the Eagles won that game 21 to nothing. They went on to the NFL championship game, and in typical Eagles fashion, they <laughs> lost. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. Um, so, okay, so that's that's the story of the Steelers up to 1972. Uh, Franco Harris was with the team for 12 years, 1972 through 83. And during his time there, the Steelers won eight AFC Central Division titles, uh, qualified for the playoffs as a wild card two other times. So in his 12 seasons, the Steelers made the playoffs 10 times. Um, They were 14-6 and in playoff games during Harris's career there, won four Super Bowl championships, Harris played 19 of those 20 uh, playoff games because, as you remember, he missed the 76 AFC Championship game with badly injured ribs. In the postseason, Franco Harris rushed for 1,556 yards and 16 touchdowns, caught 51 passes with another touchdown, and you know you know that that receiving touchdown was the immaculate reception, which kind of broke the ice um, and you know, got all of that playoff um, ball rolling. So, yeah, uh, Franco Harris, his contributions, his his significance to all of that winning and championships cannot be understated. Daniel Geisinger from Leighton, Pennsylvania asks, the NFL has been emphasizing quarterback safety with changes to what is ruled as roughing the passer. There have been some sketchy roughing the passer flags and some missed that were legitimate. There have been many quarterback injuries this season. 
How many injuries were actually caused by roughing the passer, and how many just occurred during the process of a football play? I am questioning the stricter rules and whether they do any good versus the value of the penalty. Um, okay, well, this is what I know. Uh, Mason Rudolph, when he started last Saturday against the Bengals, he was the 58th, 58th different quarterback to start a game this season. Okay, 58. Last year, that number was 68. And I don't think the NFL likes that at all. This is not a trend um, that the league likes. So uh, I, the, the way I think the response to this is going to be that initiatives to protect the quarterback are likely to be expanded. Yep. Okay, and officials are going to be instructed to enforce those initiatives strictly and erring on the side of protecting quarterback is not going to be really punished as a mistake when officials' performances are reviewed. Uh, I think the league would much have or rather have the quarterback throwing flags anytime guys are getting even borderline to roughing the passer. Um, and, they're, you know, I, I don't think they're going to care that it's um, maybe a little ticky-tacky. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I can't answer how many injuries were legitimate roughing versus how many, you know, I, I don't know. Um, and I don't, I, I, I doubt that there's really any kind of definitive study done on that either. I just think the league is going to, uh, if anything, uh, hit the gas pedal even more in terms of protecting the quarterback moving forward. Sean Bittner from Jacksonville, North Carolina. We signed Miles Jack to the practice squad after cutting him before the season. He is counting $3.25 million in dead money against the Steelers' salary cap this year. When the Steelers activated him from the practice squad, does his old salary number come into play, either as a game check or reduction in dead money? No. Um, once Miles Jack was released during the 2023 offseason, that closed the book on his contract with the Steelers that referenced in Sean's question. Um, now, by closing the book, certainly the dead money uh, that's, that was associated with that ha- was assigned to the salary cap. But, you know, signing Miles Jack to the practice squad, you know, elevating him for the game against the Bengals last week, all of that had to be done with separate contracts. You know, you can't, you can't go to Miles Jack and say, well, you know, w- we want you to come off your couch and come out of retirement to come to our practice squad since we already, uh, uh, or I won't say they, they're not owing, they don't owe him the money. He counts that money. That's money he's already received. Right. That doesn't, you know, you don't get to subtract from that. I mean, it's, you know, none of that's, you don't none take of the money works. back. <laughs> you don't take the money back and then give it to him, you know, again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all of those are unrelated transactions. When the Steelers signed him to a practice squad, that was a different transaction. Um, moving him up for the game against the Bengals, that's a different transaction. Uh, so, um, yeah, no, no, none of that, none of none of what's in the past applies to what's happening now. And Paul Sharanko from Glenmont, New York, has today's final question. Do you anticipate an NFL team assigned to London or another European city that will compete in the United States? Or do you think the goal is to eventually start a separate NFL league that would compete overseas? Um, 
I don't I don't really know anything specifically about what the league's plans are for expansion franchises or relocated franchises in Europe, okay? But it just seems to me that there's a lot of issues attached to any attempt to include a team that would be based in Europe within the current structure of the league, okay? So just for the purposes of this discussion, let's pretend Jacksonville's relocated to London, okay? Um, all right, so then you have you have a, an NFL team in London. Um, you got to have the staff, you know, the working there. I don't know that you could fill it with uh, British people because I don't know that, you, that that there's a lot of people with the, that experience or qualifications or anything living in Europe right now. Because if they have those, you know, if they're American football staff. They're probably somewhere in the United States because right. that's the only place, um, you know, where that industry, um, you can make a career out of it in the, in those um, jobs. You know, even, you know, secretaries, administrative assistants, you know, those kind of people beyond scouts and, you know, the football um, departments. Okay. So I guess you would either have to move all these people to London and then they would have to live there, you know, and if, I don't know, say um, if somebody has a family here, uh, the um, like a director of business or something, payroll experts, capologists, all of those, you know, staff members, you can ask them to move to London. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know that anyone would do that. Um, okay, and then, all right, so then there's that. Then there's um, the Jacksonville London franchise. You gonna put them in, in the keep them in the AFC South, which is where they were are now. So, um, not only would the London franchise have to travel to Houston, Tennessee, and Indianapolis every year, uh, but they would also have to travel into the uh, continental United States for all their other road games. Mm -hmm. You know, you either play eight or nine road games in the seventeen game schedule based on you know, whether your 17th game is against an NFC team or an AFC team. So, I mean, that's a lot of travel and hardship uh, on those players. You're, you're talking about your, you know, the Steelers go to, as an example, go to Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Baltimore. Okay, the closest road trip for this Jacksonville franchise in London, I mean, would be similar to, you know, a cross-country trip in the United States. Right. And, and you, then you got to do that every time, every time you're on the road. So, I mean, how could you get free agent players to go for that? I mean, any free agents going to want to go and live in London? I mean, it sounds cool, but, you know, in terms of your job, you got to find a place to live there um, during the six to seven, eight months of the season. And then... You know, everything you want to do, um, your, your family is in America. Right. You know, again, I, I just it it just doesn't seem to me to be uh, workable. You know, and then there's preseason games. You got to have road preseason games. Those are ninety player rosters. You know, take two planes, all the equipment. <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't. I'm sure there's smarter people than me at work at this. But right now, in my head, the most logical long 
range approach would be to have a separate uh, American football league in Europe. You know, maybe you can have a team in Germany, a team in London, a team in wherever. Right. Um, and try and figure it out that way uh, rather than, you know, stick a, uh, a London team or a, a Germany team in the a- AFC South or the, you know, NFC North or, you know, wherever. I mean, uh, that just, I don't know, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. No, it seems logistically like it's going to be too tough to overcome for London. But as far as an international team is concerned, Labs, I mean, could you see maybe a Mexico City, maybe a Toronto popping up? Because you could make those two cities work travel-wise. Well, I don't think there's going to be a, 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 uh, an NFL franchise in Canada. I mean, the NFL and okay. the CFL have kind of have made their there. peace. Yeah, well, yeah, an, an, you know, an unofficial agreement where um, the NFL is not interested in trying to drive the CFL out of business. And I think if you brought NFL football to Canada, uh, because let's just pretend you put a team in Toronto. Right. Okay, so then you have the home games and then all the road games with teams going there. Um, and I, I think that that would really hurt um the canadian football league teams in terms of attendance interest you know media coverage all that stuff because you know the nfl is the 800 pound gorilla i think uh in terms of that so no i don't think it would be there's going to be a franchise in canada because of that you know mexico's possible but again we're dealing with once again i think you would have to have staff you know you'd have to have headquarters there you're gonna get people to move to mexico they can live in mexico city um all due respect to mexico city uh, i don't know that it's really the kind of place that you could easily recruit americans to live that's just my opinion so i mean i wouldn't go there um (laughs) no i wouldn't to take an NFL job, no, I, I would you. not take one in Mexico City. It would scare me uh, for a lot of reasons. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is. Maybe Mexico. Yeah, but even including Mexico in the European League, that travels. Travels just a ridiculous. nightmare, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm glad it's not my job to try and figure it out. And I'm sure you're also glad that you won't be having to go on one of those cross-country flights this coming weekend. Steelers will be having a quick five-hour jaunt to the West Coast to face off against the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, it's basically like going to London. I told them that you could have my seat on the plane. And I believe I said I would pass, respectfully. (laughs) I I was going to have to pass on that one. Steelers Steelers and Seahawks, 4 o'clock kickoff Sunday this week, New Year's Eve. Uh, is when those two teams do battle. Steelers keep trying to win out uh, to hopefully get back into the playoff picture. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Offerman. As always, thanks for sending in your questions. Try to get them into labs now, and we'll hear hopefully hear them on a future edition of Asked and Answered. We'll talk to you guys next week. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 